All right, so now we'll get into the Word. So let's uh, turn together in our Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read from verses uh, 6 through 9. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is How to Rejoice Through Our, tri- uh, through our Trials. How to Rejoice Through Our Trials. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9, the scriptures say, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you, sorry, now for a little while, you have to suffer various kinds of trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, which is more valuable than gold that perishes when it is tested by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You may be seated. So when God's people go through trials of various kinds, uh, trials where we're torn by temptations, trials that test our faith, how should we react to those trials? Now, the Scriptures say a whole lot about trials and that we're all going to go through trials, and the Scriptures teach us to rejoice through our trials, something that we're not, uh, not something we don't really want to do in our flesh. We don't want to rejoice through our trials, but the scriptures teach us to rejoice. And in today's passage, Peter, who is a faithful follower of Christ, a holy man who was no stranger to trials that tempted him and tested his faith, Peter teaches us three truths about trials. And by remembering and living out these truths, we'll learn how to rejoice through our trials. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We ask you to speak to us. Give us the ears to hear the truth. Give us the ability to understand the truth. And then give us grace to put the truth into practice. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first thing we got to do to rejoice through trials is remember our trials are part of life. And notice how Peter starts 1 Peter 1.6. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. Now, what was Peter's audience greatly rejoicing in? What's everything Peter had just said about the grace of the new birth stuff we talked about last week? Uh, We should uh, greatly rejoice in the hope, in the inheritance, and in the salvation our God and Father gives us in the Lord Jesus Christ through the new birth. But this rejoicing is not because we've got it so great in this present life. Notice what Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 1.6. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have to suffer various kinds of trials. Now, most uh, most modern translations, they'll say something that makes it sound like Peter was saying, well, you may have to go through some trials or you may not, but that's not what Peter's saying at all. Peter is saying, we are going to go through trials. You've got trials coming to all of you. Every one of us are going to face trials. And our joy as Christians is not based on having our best life now. Our joy is not based on having all our wants and our desires fulfilled in this world. Our joy is based on what's ahead for us, the hope of the future salvation we have in Christ in the world to come. We rejoice now because God gives us these profound promises. That through the new birth, we've escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Through the new birth, we share in the divine nature and are becoming like God in righteousness and true holiness. Through the new birth, we have the spirit of the living God living inside of us. 
We have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of the resurrection and the hope of eternal glory and new heavens and a new earth where sin and sickness and death are no more and where we'll all see Jesus as he is because we'll all be like him. Doesn't that make you want to rejoice? So we should rejoice in those truths. We should all keep our focus on those truths and rejoice in those truths. But Peter reminds us as we rejoice about the future, in the present world at various times and in various ways, we will suffer grief in various trials. Trials are a certainty for every one of us who follow Christ. And the sooner we get that preached out around the land in America, the better it will be for all of us. Because for the better part of about 50 years or so, uh, preachers have been telling us that, you know, there's not going to be that much. Tri- there's no trials for us when we come to Christ. Christ did everything. You just come and follow Christ, and you can do whatever, and he's got you covered. You don't have to worry about it anymore. That's the majority of what people say in our culture. And people are confused uh, because the Scriptures, when you come to Christ, which all of us have experienced if we're trying to follow Jesus, when you come to Jesus, you see that you have a whole new set of problems, right? All your problems don't go away. You have a whole, whole new set of problems. And there are various trials that you go through, various times of testing that you go through, stuff you never thought about before. But we will have all these, uh, we will have different trials at various times in our lives. And Peter says we have to suffer grief in various trials. It's part of life in this present world. We can't get around it. We are going to all suffer various trials. Paul and Barnabas expressed the same reality to Christ's disciples in Ephesus, as Luke tells us in Acts 14.22. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, we must endure many hardships to get into the kingdom of God. I don't think many people know this verse is in the Bible. This is part of the faith is we have to go through many hardships to get into the kingdom of God. We won't make it in any other way. We must endure many hardships, many trials to get into God's kingdom. And when we follow Jesus We need to expect that at various times, various trials will be a normal part of the Christian life. So we should not be surprised by our trial, and we should not let those trials discourage us. Instead, we should do what Peter says the early followers of Christ were doing. When we find that we face trials of various kinds, we should greatly rejoice. Now, rejoicing through trials does not mean we pretend like our trials are enjoyable. Now, Peter acknowledges that we suffer in our trials. So Peter's not saying to put on a plastic smile and pretend like your trials are, are enjoyable and just smile until they all go, go away. That's not what he's talking about. But Peter is saying even when trials bring suffering into our lives, we who follow Jesus can still greatly rejoice if we learn to look at our trials in the right way. So Peter goes on to show us the right way to look at our trials. So we remember that our trials are part of life. And secondly, let's remember that our trials are not permanent. Trials are a part of life. Trials are not permanent. Now, in this world, we have to suffer various kinds of trials. And those trials come in the form of sickness and diseases that cause tremendous pain. Trials also come in the form of various temptations to sin and through the sins of others who say and do bad things to us. And I'm sure that you can think of other ways we all suffer trials. But it's important we remember the truth, teaches, uh, truth Peter teaches us in 1 Peter 1.6. He says, for a little while you have to suffer various kinds of trials. So those words, for a little while, are very important. 
No matter what kinds of trials we face or how severe our suffering may be in this present world, we must remember it's only for a little while. No matter how strong the temptation to sin may be right now, let's never give in because it's only for a little while. No matter how badly our faith may be tested right now, and it's going to be tested coming up, like I said last week, something bad is coming to all of us. The country's going to hell in a handbasket, as they would say, right? And we're, we're all a part of it, right? We're all part of this country. If something bad happens to our country, we live here, right? Something bad is coming. Something bad is coming. We've got to get ready for it. But let's never give up because it's, it's only for a little while. Let's hold on to the promise God gives us through Peter in 1 Peter 5.10, where Peter says, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you in Christ Jesus to his eternal glory will restore you, establish you, strengthen you, and support you. There's those words again, for a little while. See, after we've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace will personally restore us, establish us, strengthen us, and support us through his grace. But let's believe that promise. And when we go through trials of various kinds, let's remember our trials are not permanent. And let's also remember a third and final truth Peter teaches us so that we can rejoice through our trials. And this is going to be a long one, which is why I got here very quickly so I could get through this long one. Remember, our trials have a purpose. Our trials have a purpose. You know, I think we Christians spend far too much time trying to figure out where our trials come from. We often blame every affliction we, we suffer on the devil, right? And many seem to believe since God is good, he would never lead his children to suffer affliction and certainly would never be the one who causes their affliction. But I want you to listen to what the scriptures say to the Lord's people about this in Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3. Moses writes, you shall remember all the way that the Lord, your God, led you in the wilderness that he might afflict you and test you and to discern in your heart whether you will keep his commands or not. And he afflicted you and weakened you by hunger and fed you manna, which your fathers did not see, in order to declare to you that a man shall not live on only bread, but a man shall live on every word going out through the mouth of God. So here's some questions. Who led the Lord's people into the wilderness? Who was that? So Moses represented who? All right. So who led God's people into the wilderness? God did, right? Why did the Lord lead his people into the wilderness? So according to the scripture, it said to afflict them, afflict them and weaken them. Why did he do this? To test them, right? To test their faith, to see what was in their hearts, whether or not they would live by his word by obeying his commands. And the Lord did this for their good. So when we talk about God and we, we say, oh, the Lord would never do this, the Lord would never do that. Well, the Lord will do this and the Lord will do that, right? He will afflict people. He actually talks about putting sicknesses on people. We don't like to hear that either. Because the faith teachers have taught us a false gospel that says, oh, the Lord would never do that to anybody. Well, the Lord does do that to people. If you just read the Old Testament, it's the same God in the Old Testament that we worship in the New Testament. So God does afflict people, and he, he, he does it for a reason. He does it for our good, to prepare, like he did uh, people in the Old Testament. He did it to prepare them for the promised land. And the Lord also leads all of us in the wilderness of this life to suffer various kinds of afflictions for the same purpose, to test our faith and prepare us for the promised land. And Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. He says, you have, 
You have to suffer various kinds of trials so that the genuineness of your faith, which is more valuable than gold that perishes when it is tested by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So God leads us through various trials to test the genuineness of our faith. Just as gold is purified and perfected by fire, our faith is purified and perfected by the fiery trials that test us. James teaches the same truth in James 1, 2 through 4. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you are involved in various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But you must let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So like Peter, James encourages us to rejoice when we're involved in various trials. And we don't rejoice because we like suffering. Nobody likes to suffer. We rejoice because we know that God uses our trials to teach us endurance, to teach us how to live, to teach us how to persevere in the faith. And our faith gets stronger as we endure various trials. And as we continue to endure the trials that test our faith, our faith becomes mature, our faith becomes complete as we become more and more like Jesus. You all know that we serve a suffering Savior, right? He came to the, to the earth to suffer. And we think, well, Jesus came to suffer so I don't have to suffer. Well, that's not true. He didn't come to suffer so we don't have to. He came to suffer to give us an example so we can follow in his steps. And through the power of the Spirit that we now have because of our new birth, we're able to walk in the Spirit and do the things that Jesus did. That includes suffer for his sake. See, we've got to change our perspective about trials and suffering. We've got to learn to truly believe what Paul says in Romans 8, 28. He says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Notice these words, in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And this means that God uses the things that we tend to see as bad, the various trials we go through, things that cause us grief, things like bad health and loss of loved ones, temptation, tribulation, persecution. So we should rejoice when those trials come because we know God is at work in all those things for our good. And that takes a huge shift in our thinking to say, wow, that's that's, that's pretty cool. I want to rejoice in my suffering. It takes a shift in our thinking. But God uses all things to perfect our faith, to make us like the Lord Jesus. In this world, we face fiery trials. And at times, those trials can burn us badly and cause us such grief that we begin to ask questions like this. Where is God in all of this? How could God allow this? Where is God in all this? Well, let's always remember this truth. God is right in the center of all this. God is at work in all things for our good working toward the perfecting of our faith. So let's keep following Jesus no matter where he leads us. And when the fiery trials come to test our faith, let's learn to rejoice in the Lord because as we endure those trials through God's grace, God will use our suffering to accomplish the good goal of our faith. And what is the good goal of our faith? What is God leading us toward? Why, why does he perfect our faith? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, nine. Peter says, the goal of your faith is the salvation of your souls. Salvation of your souls. Now, I said last week that the salvation of our souls is the salvation of our whole being, where God saves every part of us. See, we have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. Eventually, our whole being will be be, uh, saved as he gives us those new bodies and all these things through the resurrection. 
that we can rejoice through our trials when we remember if we'll just hold on, if we'll just stay faithful to Jesus, every part of us will be saved. Every trace of corruption, every stain of sin, the sting and the stench of death will be removed from us and from this world when Christ comes again in glory. You know, when I grew up in the church, I remember being younger, and I remember people talking about stuff like this. Y'all remember that, right? Preachers used to talk about the Lord is coming back anytime. You got to get ready. You got to do this. We don't talk about that no more. We're too busy watching football, too busy worried about the election, too busy worried about the things of this life. Is that right? Is that right? I mean, I think it's time that we keep it real with each other, right? Keep it real. And again, I say this to myself as well. We're too distracted by the things of this life. We're not focused on the world to come, and that's why we can't. We have no effect on the world around us. It's not because we don't have the right person in office. It's because we don't have the right person on the throne in our own lives. Is that right? We're too worried about the things of the world. We can't change the world by being involved in the world. We can change the world by showing the world that we are a part of Christ's kingdom, and we live for Christ, and we get people focused on that, the world to come, not things in this life. See, one day all of the trials, the temptations, the suffering, and the grief we've endured in this world, they're going to seem like nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. He says, this light, temporary nature of our suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond any comparison. Because we do not look for things that can be seen, but for things that cannot be seen. For things that can be seen are temporary, but things that cannot be seen are eternal. The temporary troubles that seem so heavy to us right now, well, they can become light as a feather when we see our suffering from an eternal perspective. All the suffering we endure in this life is redemptive. It has salvific power to it. It's producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond anything we could ever imagine. See, did you ever see your suffering as a means to your salvation? I know we say Jesus did it all. We don't have to do anything. We have to... But that's not the way Paul talks. Paul doesn't talk like that. He just told us that this is producing for us a far weight of, uh, a weight of glory that's far beyond what we can imagine. Where the Lord is using our suffering for our salvation. Paul says this again in Romans 8, 18 and 21. He said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, worth comparing with the glory that we will be revealed to us. For the creation is eagerly waiting for God to reveal his children. Because the creation was subjected to frustration, though not by its own choice, the one who subjected it did so in the hope that the creation itself would also be set free from slavery to decay in order to share the glorious freedom of God's children. See, the glory that Paul writes about here is the eternal glory of the new creation, the new creation in Christ, this new creation that we get a small glimpse of in the church. But one day, the glory of the new creation will be revealed fully to us and in us when Jesus appears in glory. And on that day, we will appear with him in glory. And on that day, not only will the Lord's children rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy, the whole creation will join us and rejoice with us. Because on that day, the entire creation will be set free from the decay of death brought about by the sin of the first Adam. And on that day, the whole creation will share in the glory gained for us by the incarnation, the crucifixion, the death, the
the resurrection, and the ascension of the last Adam, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. You wonder why he was called the last Adam? It's because he created a new humanity in himself. That's what it's all about, right? He got rid of the old Adam. That's what he did on the cross, kills off the old humanity, rises again from the dead with a new humanity, right, in himself. And this humanity is a divine human. We've become divine humans in Christ. That's what the whole thing is about. He's the first among many brothers and sisters. When you start reading the scriptures this way, you say, wow, this is unbelievable what God has done for us, right? It's not just so we could escape hell. I, still, I hear so many people talk like that. I just, I'm just trying to get out of hell. I just don't want to go to hell. Well, if that's all you want, man, that just, that just doesn't, that's not it. That's not what he did. He did so much more for us. He not only saved us from hell, he saved us so we can gain heaven, so we can share in his glory. He's a divine human being sits at the right hand of God, and we all sit there with him. You guys realize that this is in the Bible. This is not, you're looking at me like I got two heads, like, what is this dude talking about? This is all in the Scriptures. Read the book of Colossians. Read the book of Ephesians. That's what it's all about. The church is everything because in, in the church we become a part of Christ's body where we're becoming like God in true righteousness and holiness through the grace of God. And that's why I talk so much about grace because grace is so misunderstood. People think grace is God just overlooks everything. That's not what it is. Grace is God's power at work in his people to make us like him. That's what the whole thing is about. And that all was accomplished through us or for us through the last Adam, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Lord Jesus comes again in glory, he will make all things new. So when we keep our focus on those things, we can rejoice through any trial and temptation, any suffering we face in this world, when we look at everything through the lens of the life to come. See, if we're comfortable in this world, this stuff doesn't get us, we don't get excited about this, right? We're too comfortable in the world. We got too much going on here. I don't want to go. I don't want to go be with the Lord. Like, I got to watch my kids graduate from school. I got to do people getting married. That's not what we should be focused on. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. Somebody's got to say it, right? It's not the way it is. We should be so focused on the things of heaven that heaven becomes or the earth becomes heaven to us because we're so focused on the Lord. There was a, one of the old martyrs back in the, uh, I don't remember his name, but he said, uh, so he was, he was in jail for his, his um commitment to Christ, and he said that the, the mind that's in heaven doesn't feel the chain that's on the leg. So in other words, he's, he's in prison, but he, he's like, I don't care, because I'm rejoicing with the Lord. My mind is in heaven. My mind is not on earthly things. But for us, it, it's hard to get to that place because so many people around us, and again, this is all of us, have fallen asleep, right? We're asleep. We're lukewarm. We don't, we don't really, we don't focus on the Lord like we should. I'm just trying to talk to y'all like, a, you know, like I should, I guess. But instead of going off these notes for me, I feel like I need to say some of these things. So we need to keep our focus on, on the things of God or get our focus back on to the things of God. It's probably a better way to say it. You know who wins the Super Bowl this year doesn't mean a lick to any of us? What is, who cares? Who cares? Really? Seriously. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I see y'all got some bingo shirts. So I'm not trying to condemn anybody. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. It's not, a, it's not about condemnation. What it's about is making a shift our thinking. What are we thinking about? What are we focused on? If our lives are, are caught up in this world, then that's what we're going to focus on. Jesus said wherever our treasure is, that's where our hearts are going to be. So if our treasures are here on earth, that's where our, our hearts and our minds will be. So we need to get our minds off of earth, earthly things and focus on the heavenly things because as Paul tells us, that's where we're seated with Christ in heaven. That's where we all are. So we need to keep our minds on those things. And so let's keep looking forward to our final salvation. 
Let's keep our focus on the end result of the trials that perfect our faith. Let's remember this is all part of the process of receiving what will be completed when Christ is revealed. So we're all being saved. Our trials are conforming us to the image of Christ. Uh, Paul talked about this in, um, I think it was Hebrews, Hebrews. Yeah, he said that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And then he calls us to follow in his footsteps. That's how we're being conformed to his image. He, um, anyway, so we got to keep on going. We got to keep loving Jesus, keep obeying Jesus until our faith is perfected. And the end result of this will be the salvation of our souls. And when we share in the, and then we're going to share in the glory of, uh, glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once we've reached the goal of our faith, after our faith is found to be genuine uh, and our souls are saved, the result will be what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 7. The result will be praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Praise, glory, and honor. See, in the end, when every part of our being is saved and we stand with Christ in glory, the result will be praise, honor, and glory. Not for us, but for the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why does he get the glory? Well, it's because our God and Father is the source of this glorious salvation. God the Father is the one who caused us to be born again through his grace. God the Father is the one who gave us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God the Father is the one who is preserving an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance for us in heaven. And God the Father is the one who guards the faithful by his tremendous power until our final salvation is brought to us through God's grace when Christ is revealed in glory. It's all by the grace of God. This is what this, that's why we give God the glory. So at the second coming of Christ, we're going to see the result of our perfected faith as we share in Christ's glory, and we and all of creation will join together to bring glory, praise, and honor to God. So as we close, let's remember these truths about our trials. Trials are a part of life. There's no way around it. Don't try to get around it. They're coming to all of us. We should expect them, welcome them, and even rejoice when they come because trials are not permanent. And whatever grief we suffer through these trials is only for a little while. So don't get discouraged. Don't give in to temptation. Don't give up because all trials have a purpose. God uses all our trials for our good to perfect our faith. And when our faith is perfected, we will bring when our faith is perfected, the, the goal of our faith will uh, bring, let me say it one more time. Let me go back. Some of you, I can't read this. Who wrote this? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my. Here's what I'm trying to say. And when our faith is perfected, that will bring the goal of our faith. The goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls, which will ultimately lead us and the whole creation to give praise, honor, and glory. To God through the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when we live in light of those truths, then we'll keep our eyes towards heaven. We'll keep our eyes on the prize of being united with Christ in all things. And that's what Paul means when he says, I think it's maybe Philippians where he says um, something about the goal of our faith or I don't, whatever. The, pride, the, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, that's what it is, the prize that we're all going for. The high calling of God is that we will become like Christ, we will be united with Christ, we'll be glorified with Christ in all things, and through God's grace, we'll learn to rejoice through these trials. If we remember all the things that I said today, and the Lord will get all the glory for it.
let's all stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for every good thing you give us. Thank you for the hope we have, the inheritance that we have uh, stored up for us in heaven, the salvation you offer us through the new birth. And Lord, we thank you also for using everything in this world, including our trials, to purify and perfect our faith. But help us always to love the Lord Jesus by being obedient to his commandments. Help us keep our eyes focused on your glory and the salvation of our souls today and always. In Jesus' name, amen.